Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Pornay finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Higher again! A goal back! Oh, Benedetto! Hello, bienvenue and welcome to Le Beaujeu, the official league and podcast in association with BT Sport. The four-way title race continues to enthrall. Lille, PSG, Monaco and Lyon all winners in a dramatic round 32 and covered by only five points with six games to play. Turkish delight for Lille, Mbappe on fire again for PSG, super sub Ben Yedder doing the business for Monaco, and is the left just right for Lyon captain Depay? Plus, we'll hear from Lyon Zimbabwean star Tino Kadawere. I'm David Crossan, hosting again as Matt Spiro is off getting exciting content for future editions, and I'm joined by Robbie Thompson, no doubt feeling happier than last Monday after what's been a good seven days for PSG. Hello, Robbie. Hello, Dave. Yes, I am. I'm in fine spirits and I'm actually at the PSG training centre as we speak, looking at the lawnmowers going past, preparing for one last training session before tomorrow night. So if you hear any any uh, gardening going on, that's that's the explanation. Safety is the priority. So again, we're recording remotely and I can see safety is a priority at the PSG training ground as well as we're doing this uh, over a video link and I can see a fire extinguisher sign behind right. uh, Robbie ready, Thompson. Just I just hope Adil Rami's nowhere near. Me. <laughs> well, competition for places on the podcast is as hot as the title race, and uh, Andy Scott gets a well-deserved start this week. Hello, Andy. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Yeah, I, I was thinking um, thinking of what player I could be compared to, and I suppose you might say uh, Ronan Lacrom. Remember him, the, the goalkeeper who, who didn't get a game for PSG until about the last day of the season, way back when Carlo Ancelotti's team won the league, and then suddenly he was brought into the, uh, into the, into the reckoning on the last day. So that's pretty much me. And then he, he got get sent, sent off, off, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a disaster. It was a tragedy. Let's see what happens, eh? Let's see yeah, what tr- happens. Try and last the full 45 minutes of the pod if you can. Yeah, and let's well. hope it goes better than for poor old Ronan Lacrom. Well, I can't make any promises. <laughs> We're going to start with Ronan Lacrom's old club, which wasn't how I was intending to introduce uh, this first game that we're going to look at from the weekend's action, but there we are. Uh, Strasbourg against Paris Saint-Germain on Saturday afternoon, and PSG needed to respond to Lille's win at Metz the previous night. The pressure was on them, and I commentated this game from Stade de la Menou. Here's Mbappe in the position that he loves. Scored against Bayern Munich from a similar position on Wednesday and Kylian Mbappe gives the champions the lead at Strasbourg. Danny Lowe. Sarabia. Well played Pablo Sarabia and there's the second goal for Paris Saint-Germain. And here's Mbappe springing into action again. Mbappe for Keane. Moise Keane 3-0. So clinical Paris Saint-Germain today. And 25 metres out from Matt Sells' goal. It is Paredes. Oh, what a strike by Leandro Paredes for 4-1. His first of the season. A gem of a free kick by the Argentinian international. Well, that definitively wraps up the three points. So Paris Saint-Germain, 4-1 winners at Strasbourg. Kylian Mbappe was fantastic, a goal and an assist, and won the free kick from which Leandro Paredes scored magnificently past Matt Sells. 
Now, PSG had lost their last three games following Champions League outings, and that was a particularly important three points for them. And uh, given the number of players they had unavailable, I thought they were very impressive. How did you assess the game, Robbie? Um, yes, I thought they were impressive too. Could have perhaps been a little bit different had Adrian Thomason scored with that first shot of the match that hit the post. But we know uh, it takes something special to beat Kalor Navas these days. Otherwise, Paris Saint-Germain, I think they, they imposed the, the hierarchy which showed that on paper they were the better side. The big question was how would they deal with the, the, the energy that they spent in, in Munich and... But I think that probably gave them a bit of a positive buzz, a, a, a lift. And the pressure was on after that victory from Lille the night before. There was a six-point gap at the top, another slip-up for Paris Saint-Germain, and they could almost kiss goodbye to the Ligue 1 title, I think. So there, there is reason to believe again and, and more hope for PSG, I think, in this final run into the end of the season. And Andy, uh, uh, Maurizio Pochettino even had the luxury of taking off Keylor Navas at half-time. I was surprised he left Mbappe on until the, the closing minutes of the game, given the, the three points were all wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, he said, didn't he, that, that, that Killian, the best way for him to prepare for a big game, in this case, the, the Bayern second leg on Tuesday, is to, to keep playing. Obviously, he's a very young man. He's He's uh, full of running and um, he, he would have been happy to be on the pitch. But, you know, I mean, obviously they were without Neymar. They were without a, a number of other players and they can't afford to take uh, these games lightly at the moment, even if it's in between the, the two legs of the Champions League quarterfinal because they are going for the League Two. So seven changes to his starting lineup, and Mbappe was one of the players he, he had to keep in there. Strasbourg did play into Paris Saint-Germain's hands a bit, I thought. It reminded me a little bit of the Strasbourg-Lyon game from earlier in the season. If you allow attackers with that much pace and ability, space to, to perform on the counter-attack, you're going to get punished. And that's what happened to Strasbourg. Stefan Mitrovic was uh, ponderous. So was the former Sunderland man, Lamin Kone. And uh, Mbappe and Keane and Sarabia really enjoyed themselves. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you look at the acceleration, though, of Kylian Mbappe for the, for the first goal when he almost loses his footing and then, and then goes again. And it's, uh, it's just ferocious. It's frightening that the speed and power. And, and I think that's probably one of the most positive things to come out of the last few weeks, even if he had a, was criticised after the, the France international break and the three games where perhaps he didn't perform. But his performances for Paris Saint-Germain, that's 15 goals in his last 11 now for, for PSG. And Mbappe is looking uh, the player that everyone thinks he should be, which is running at players, full of confidence, and, and prepared to make the difference and prepared to shoulder the responsibility for making the difference as well. The saddest man of all at the weekend with Mbappe scoring was Armel Tongi, dropped for Andy Scott this week because it means that his hero, Jimmy Brion, is now only second on the list of current <laughs> Ligue 1 players in terms of all-time career goals with Mbappe now on 101 and Jimmy Brion on 100. Mbappe, though, did actually lose <laughs> ground. Uh, well, actually doesn't have as big a lead at the top of the scoring chart as he did before the weekend after mm -hmm. doubles for Wissam Ben Yedda and Memphis Depay. We'll get on to them later. Um, Leandro Paredes was back from European suspension and had one of his better games in a PSG shirt. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a, a fantastic goal set up the, the first goal, didn't he, with the pass for Mbappe. And, and it just sums up the, the strength and depth that PSG do have because I think although... Um, a lot has been said about the injuries they've had. Obviously, Marquinhos coming off in the Bayern game and uh, Neymar suspended, uh, Verratti missing, but they can still bring in. I mean, they've got so many options in midfield, haven't they? Paredes and, and Herrera, they can drop Danilo Pereira back into the defence. It's not as though they're short of options, although they do 
we do hear a lot about how they're really struggling with injury problems, and that's one of the things that Pochettino has had to deal with since coming in. But the reality is that when you can call upon a player like Paredes, then then you're doing pretty well. And, and it was a great free kick, obviously, at the end of the game to wrap up the victory. And, and it's going to be very interesting to see what, what type of team he plays uh, in, in the game against Bayern tomorrow, against the Bayern team obviously missing some big-name players themselves and, and to see if they can get the job done. Leandro Paredes, has, I see him a lot in training and I've, and I've obviously followed him closely since he's been at, at Paris Saint-Germain. He's got an excellent shot on him. He liked, He's not afraid to take free kicks either at the training ground, but he should have more goals for a player with, with the power that he, that he can find in that right boot. He often takes them in the warm-up. He's always taking shooting practice as well. Uh, before games he deserves well deserves he he should have more goals than he does that was his first ever league on goal he's got one in the cup I seem to remember uh, from against Paul last season a lower division side so he's a player that that should score more but I think more than anything the fact that he came back and and played well is a very good thing for for the game against Bayern Munich because we know that there's him Verratti should be back as well and I think if we're going to look ahead to the Bayern Munich game, and I'll, I'll segue there, perhaps a, a, I'll jump the gun a little bit. A key for Paris Saint-Germain will be holding onto the football a little bit more, even if you can't probably dominate possession against this Bayern Munich side, even if, as Andy said, they're missing a few important players as well. Verratti and Paredes back in the middle of the park will help you hold onto the football, and that will settle a few nerves. Yeah, Paredes doesn't get near the free kicks usually because of Di Maria and Neymar. And uh, I think he looked straight at Di Maria when he scored, saying that that's what I can do. Maybe let -hmm. me have another go. Um, Yeah, let's move on to talking about the Bayern game. At the time of recording, we know that Marco Verratti and Alessandro Florenzi have been given the all clear to return to training after coronavirus. Neymar will be back from his domestic ban. Paredes available after missing the first leg through suspension. And it seems like uh, Diallo will be okay as well after sickness that forced him off at halftime in a snowy Munich. The big question though for PSG is will Marquinhos be fit? He missed out against Strasbourg with a groin injury and it would be a big risk were Maurizio Pochettino to select him for Tuesday evening's uh, second leg. If Marquinhos isn't there... Danilo will have to carry on alongside Presnel Kimpembe at the back. Yep, I think uh, Marquinhos, it will be very tough, won't it, for Marquinhos to be back. Not only for the fact that he that the club announced he has a grade two uh, tear in the, in the groin, which is a grade one is normally between seven to ten days. Grade two is next level up, which almost certainly, barring a miracle, rules him out of this clash. Certainly, you could probably play with heavy strapping, maybe an injection to get you through the pain. Um, but do you want to take that risk, knowing that if you batten down the hatches, if you manage to squeeze past this round, to squeeze past the, the reigning champions, you'll be in to, to the semi-finals. And there's also the Coupe de France coming up, which remains a goal, even if not a, an objective of the same level as the Champions League, and also the Ligue 1 title. Paris Saint-Germain still have plenty of fish to fry this season. And and you have to find that because there is the temptation to to do everything to win this match tomorrow night. You have to weigh up the pros and cons and the risk of, of losing Marquinhos for the rest of the season is huge when you know you've just got to get past these 90 minutes against Bayern. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the thing about this Bayern game, obviously, that's fascinating beyond the, the, the team selection issues is is the, you know, Pochettino stands on the brink of taking his team into the semi-finals of the Champions League. And and he keeps saying, one of the things I find really interesting is he keeps saying he needs time 
um, to to make his mark on PSG, which is obviously true. I mean, the way they've played in a lot of their games so far has not been actually all that convincing. Even in the first leg last week, we all know they 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 were quite lucky to win the game three two, right? They had hardly any chances compared to Bayern, and they came away with the victory. But you know, he might not need time. I mean, he might not need time because this team, if they can get past Bayern, stands just one tie away from a Champions League final. And if he wins the Champions League final, if he does that, it's a big if at this stage, then in theory, he's got nothing left that he needs to achieve at PSG, right? And then then the questions about Mbappe's future might come up again and all the rest of it. So this is fascinating uh, in terms of Pochettino's impact on the team. Obviously, Robbie is is there on, on, a, on a regular basis at the training ground and keeps an eye on how things are going on a daily basis. We watch from a, a slightly further afar, uh, further away and we kind of see how the team are playing and we know that they've not always been that impressive actually um, and and actually the best performances have all come away from home I mean that win at Strasbourg at the weekend means it's nine consecutive away wins in which they've scored 26 goals that run includes a couple of um, less convincing wins 1-0 against Kong in the cup and 1-0 against Bordeaux but there's been a lot of big wins in that run uh, Kylian Mbappe has been devastating on the counter-attack obviously the games in, in Barcelona and Munich but also in Marseille and Lyon and he seems to have um, found a way to get the, the best out of the team playing away from home on the break. But at home, it's where they've had problems, isn't it? Three consecutive home defeats in the league for the first time in 14 years. Uh, they were lucky to get a draw against Barcelona. So there are big question marks about this game. They do need players like Marquinhos there fit because, you know, this tie is not won by any means. I think one of the things, just quickly, about about that tactical conundrum for, for, for Paris Saint-Germain, playing at home compared to playing away is the hardest thing is to score goals against a side that will defend with two lines with five and four and then just one up front that's that I think we can all accept that and Paris Saint-Germain when you're in top form with with players available when you have your system in place when you're when you're confident in your abilities you're able to break down even that kind of harsh solid defence with a side with a defensive mentality Bayern Munich I don't think will come with that defensive mentality either Barcelona didn't, it's fair to say, and Paris Saint-Germain did struggle at home in that. But I think this is this will will Bayern's mentality will suit Paris Saint-Germain more. Could almost still play a type of counter-attacking game. And let's face it, that's something that that modern football and in particular Pochettino, who says, "I love to play with possession. I want to have possession," but he also ab- above all wants to transition quickly. And when you have the players that you have at your disposal, you have to play almost a, a, a fast transition game, don't you? It is intriguingly poised, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think mm. uh, just just one point, if I may, just on, on the wider issue with PSG is that I think that uh, you do, we talk about the league and title race, I guess, as we go on, but you do have to, to wonder to what extent um, they are motivated in the same way about the league this season. I mean, clearly in the games in which they have performed well at the weekend in Lyon, They've been devastating. They've been far too good. And there have been the odd game in which they've slipped up and it's allowed their, their rivals in. Lille getting that win recently, the defeat to Monaco, the defeat to Nantes. PSG should still win the league. I think if they if they win their remaining games, they will probably win the league and they should win their remaining games. They've not got any particularly difficult fixtures in there. But I guess the, the, the big question mark is, you know, do they feel they need to win the league? They've won seven of the last eight league on titles. If they can beat Bayern then they're still in the Champions League. And ultimately, that is what matters for them, probably as players and certainly for the club as a whole. It's all really about winning the Champions League. They'll win the league again next season or the season after. But now this is a chance for them to go for the Champions League. So, you know, this is this is the thing for them. This is what they're focused on. Do, does the league 
really matter for them. And I'm saying that, I'm, I'm sure it does. I'm sure any PSG fan would say they want to win the league. But, you know, I think there's a little bit less riding on the league for them than perhaps in previous seasons. I, well, if I may, Dave, just <laughs> to, to, to counter that, or not counter it, but just to add a little nuance to that, is the fact that if you, yes, they will try and win the league. Perhaps, look, player motivation is a strange thing and depends on, on big games. But there's a danger that Paris Saint-Germain could finish fourth. If, if, if they take their minds off the job, if they don't win every, all of their last remaining games, they're only two points ahead of Lyon. But Robert, do you not think that if it comes to the crunch, if there's any danger of them not finishing in the top three, they will make sure they do. But the, the, the point I'm making is that I just wonder if the, there's a slight edge missing, just the slightest edge missing in terms of going for the league because, uh, because ultimately... I mean, let's be honest, it just doesn't quite matter as much. I mean, that yeah, sounds like a strange thing to Yeah, but I don't think you can... Say. What you just said was, but if they, if they really want it, they will do it. And that's not giving much credit to, to AS Monaco or Lille, who have a three-point lead as well. I mean, Lille have been superb this season. And I think what we've seen from, from Lille in the last few weeks is that they're going to be very hard to reel in now. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you, I look back at the start of the season and that difficult period for Paris Saint-Germain, those two losses that came right after, a week after the Champions League defeat, or 10 days after, to, to Marseille and Lens, they're the six points that are missing for Paris Saint-Germain here, here now. And perhaps it would be a different story. But Lille, Monaco, as particularly since the turn of the year, and Lyon, even if inconsistently, but had that fantastic run as well, deserve all the credit we can give them and deserve to be in this title race. I think I think that's I completely agree with that. I think the thing that I suspect is that all of the other three teams, uh, and and it will happen because they all have to play each other. I think they will all drop points in in the remaining mm. weeks of the season. We have uh, Leon Lille and Leon Monaco to come. All of these three teams will drop points, and I think if PSG win all their remaining games, I still think they'll win the title. I mean, we we know that mm. Lille recently lost at home against Nîmes, and of course. You know, I was listening to the podcast you guys did a few weeks ago. I think it was just before the last international break when you kind of tried to break down who would win the league and looked at all the remaining <laughs> fixtures. And I think we've seen since then that actually pre- trying to predict what's going to happen in each game is, is a fool's game, right? Because mm-hmm. each of these teams are dropping points in places you don't expect them to. And I still think that all of these teams will drop points in places we don't expect them to and that PSG shouldn't do that. When you look at the games they have left to play, they should win them all. Paris Saint-Germain second in the league on 66 points. Lille are top on 69. They were at Metz on Friday evening and uh, Matt Spiro may not be with us today, but he was around to commentate that one. Renato turns very nicely past Boy and he's got it through. Burek Yilmaz with the chance. Yilmaz! Lille take the lead. Thanks to Burek Yilmaz whose clinical strike will break Metz's heart. Space for Celik here, and Celik has drilled it into the back of the net. Lille are heading for three points here. They will be six points ahead of Paris Saint-Germain tonight, thanks to their Turkish players in particular. Well, Lille had a very difficult hour against Metz. Magic Eagle Mike Menon made his uh, reputation as a penalty-saving specialist in his younger days, and he saved a penalty from Aaron Leia Iseka, Michi Bacuayi's younger brother. Uh, Saar had a shot deflected onto the post, but then it was the Turkish connection that uh, sorted things out for Lille, with Burak Yilmaz scoring his first club goal since returning from injury, did score a hat-trick against the Netherlands for Turkey during the international window, and Zeki Celik adding the second goal, 
Uh, again, Andy, Lille not the most impressive, but they've got this remarkable capacity to keep grinding out the results and another clean sheet for Mike Mignon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I saw Matt was um, making this point on, on Twitter after he commentated the game. Matt Spiro said that, you know, Lille were actually quite mediocre um, for large spells of the game, but they did grind out the win. And, again, and actually, this comes back to the point I was making that in, in a way, PSG... You, these are the kind of games you expect them to cruise through, whereas Lille are having to really fight to win a lot of these games. Um, and, it, and it might have been very different had Mike Mignon not saved the penalty. Mike Mignon really uh, confirming how important a player he is. I, I think, I, I, I saw the statistic, I think the number of penalties he saved as a goalkeeper in Ligue 1 since moving to Lille about five or six years ago, I think he saved about uh, a third or, or 30% of all the penalties he's faced. And I think actually one of the very first things Mike Mignon did... I think it was on debut, he, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, when he came to Lille, I think, I think he was standing in for Vincent Inyama, the, uh, the great Nigerian goalkeeper at Lille and he, and, he, and he saved a very important penalty then and, and he still had to wait to get his chance as the first choice goalkeeper and obviously he's since become the first choice goalkeeper and, and the debate now in France really is about whether he should be perhaps uh, rather than just being the third choice goalkeeper for France should he perhaps be if not ahead of Hugo Lloris in the pecking order then certainly the second choice goalkeeper and getting an occasional game for Didier Deschamps team I think he's certainly good enough and and he you know he could be the man who um, helps tip the, the title race Lille's way, albeit they have a lot of very important individual players in front of him from the, the centre-backs all the way forward. And on Friday, we saw Burak Yilmaz play that role by getting the opening goal. And what a fantastic signing he's been. I think we'd all agree that it's been a tremendous season for him. Uh, and, and it keeps Lille ticking over. It just does make me wonder, though, and this is what I said before, that I still think that Lille will drop points in games that, you'd think, oh, they should win that game, but I still think they will probably drop points between now and the end of the season, and that's where they risk being caught, especially because, of course, they have to go to Lyon uh, very soon, and that's going to be a fascinating game. But it keeps them on track now. The three points ahead, six games left. They're the ones in pole position. Yeah, that Lyon away game for Lille is in round 34. Then Lyon will be uh, away at Monaco in round 35. Uh, Robbie, Lille are the only top four club no longer involved in the Coupe de France they were knocked out of Europe by Ajax. So at least Christophe Galtier has that advantage that his focus is only on the league and he can keep his players fresh. And when there are absences in his squad, Jonathan David and Yusuf Yazidji uh, on Friday, for example, uh, he manages to paper over the cracks and keep getting the results. Absolutely. Especially yeah. away. Yeah, but they have a they have a good squad. When you Well, a good squad. They, Christophe Galtier is a, is a very good coach. He's very close to his players and he can... He really does bring the best out of his players. And I think when you look at that Zeki Selic returns to the side at the, at the expense of, of Thiago Giallo, Thiago Giallo, who, yes, he was suspended after being sent off, perhaps a little bit harshly against PSG, but that Giallo could step in and do the job he did against Mbappe and Neymar, everyone was saying that would be the weak link in that side. And he was, he was immense. And they've got these players all over the park. Let's not forget, they've got a midfield where you can bring in Renato Sanchez into the middle of the park, you can bring in Cheka who can do a job, and you've also got Benjamin Andre and Sumare. You have options. They have options in attack. They've got Wea Arujo, as well as the, the, the Turkish duo up front, Jonathan David, who, who will probably be back soon. And I mean, they've got, they've got players everywhere. They've been very clever in building this squad. The fact that they only have one game left now, I think it could have been a problem if it had been the case earlier in the campaign to have so many players that want to play week in, week out. But now the, the carrot of a potential Ligue 1 winner's medal has everyone involved, everyone focused. 
And we just to go back to what Andy was saying earlier about Mike Mignon and the defence, leagues are won on defence. Paris Saint-Germain have a fantastic goalkeeper and have the second best defence in the land. And I think, if anything, that's what could cost Lyon and Monaco, particularly at times during this season, is their defence. And Lille have an outstanding defence. Uh, just, just one thing as well about Lille is that you know we we just we talked before about PSG slipping up at home and and actually Lille's let's not forget their recent results at home have not been very good. Um, a couple mm-hmm. of draws against Strasbourg, Brest, lost to Nîmes. These are games that you would expect them to do better in. And, and you know when it talked about the games they have left to play, if you look at the next four in particular, I just find it impossible to believe they're not going to drop points somewhere. They've got to play Montpellier and Nice at home. They've got to play Lyon away and also Lens away. That's a derby game. Also having a great season going for a place in Europe too. And I'd be uh, very surprised and, and delighted for them if they can come through all these games and win them all. And if, if they win the next four, I think they will be champions. But uh, there's still a lot of pitfalls, potential pitfalls facing them yet. I admire Lille so much. I admire Christophe Galtier an awful lot. But I was having a conversation with a, a French colleague this morning before our podcast about the relative merits of this Lille side. And we started to play the game, which is maybe an idea for Ian when he puts his running order together for a future podcast. How many of this year's Lille team would have got into that 2010-2011 team? I don't think that many. I'm only going for maybe three off the top of my head, but I need more time to think about that. Maybe you at home can have a think about your composite Lille 11. It was a well, great that, team. Eden Hazard, Jovino, Moussa So, Johan Kabay, Mavuba, Balmont, Franck Berrier, Debussy, <laughs> Rami. But it was built. I mean, it was. Yes, the defence was there, but it was built on that attack, wasn't it? I mean, they had three of the best top goal scorers in the league. Moussa So was in, incredible and a forgotten man, really, of, 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 of football in, in general. He was a fantastic player. And then Giavino. Didn't get 25 goals were, or something that yeah, season. And Hazard was sensational. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, with 22, I think, and Giavino had 21 or something. It was the attack that won them that that title. This year, it's a, a bit different, but it's interesting. I was having, I, I wasn't talking to anyone else, just myself, in the middle of the night about this same topic, Dave. <laughs> well, actually, just on that on that team of a decade ago, I think if you look at the, and I need to look at the points totals again, but I think probably if you look at the points totals that was required to win that title, I think it was probably relatively low. That was obviously the last year before. Uh, the Qatar, Qatar takeover at PSG. There was a little bit of a, a power vacuum in French football at that time in between Lyon's great team and, and PSG emerging. Whereas now all of these four teams are doing fantastically well. All of these four teams have got very high points totals and a bit like Marseille three years ago under Rudy Garcia when they missed out on the Champions League uh, with a very high points total. One team is going to have a lot of points and and miss out on a top three place as well. And and that that is credit to Lille for the job they're doing by being ahead of all these teams, uh, despite the fact that the, the 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 competition is so fierce. Yeah, in 2011, Andy, Lille won the title with 76 points, averaging two points a game, and that was enough for an eight-point winning margin over Marseille, with Lyon third and Paris Saint-Germain fourth. It's going to take more than 76 points to be Ligue 1 champions this time. I think it's an interesting topic for a future pod, not necessarily only about, about Ligue 1 football and Ligue 1 title races, but... If you look back at history, we're talking about Paris Saint-Germain have lost eight games in Ligue 1. They can't, you can't win the league losing eight games. Uh, recent history, perhaps no, because football has changed so much. But in the early noughties, yes, Lyon, I think, won and, and Monaco were winning it back in, the, in 2001, 2003. The, I mean, teams were not as dominant as they are now. The game has changed so much in 15 years. I even saw a stat 
that Lyon in 2002 was six points behind Lens with six games left to play and still managed to win the league. So in that, in that respect, all four sides are still completely capable of winning the league uh, this season. The league and title race suspense goes on and on. There'll be more suspense as you get round to trying to win an Andy Delore shirt that we've got up for grabs in our latest competition. Now, Ian Holyman, like myself, does believe in recycling jokes. So he says, Andy Delore's name fits beautifully into the Clash's hit, I Fought the Law. I think I used that after Delore scored against Marseille in 2015, in August 2015. Marcelo Bielsa resigned just after that. So nearly six years on, we're going to use it so that you can try and win a, a Montpellier shirt with Andy Delore's name and number. To win that shirt, we'd like you to give us other League and players who fit nicely into song titles. And uh, we'll announce the winners of this competition on our podcast on April the 26th. That's in two weeks' time. Hard to beat, I fought the law. Credit where credit's due. I always associate that now with you, Dave, because I remember you, you saying that after after a game back many years ago, so it must be from there. And I and I often think I fought Delore and Delore won because you. I, I think there are probably a lot of people that have lost to Andy Delore. I, I think it's our target audience. That, that, um, some, some of you might have to go and look up who the Clash are. They, the, the, the song came out in 1977, <laughs> which was before even I was born. I, w- I was there. <laughs> But more to the point, surely, is the is the famous uh, Rita Mitsuko song, no? Andy, di moi, oui. That's the, that's the one for Andy Delor. <laughs> for, and for me, song titles, and me, is it? Yeah, exactly. For song titles <laughs> featuring Andy in the name, we know where to turn. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to stay in the, a competition mood. There wasn't a prize up for grabs apart from great pride and uh, satisfaction in our Deja Who uh, last week. So I'll repeat the clue. I belong to noble stock, but was often far from gentlemanly on the pitch. I started my career at the club Peugeot built, but wrote the first significant chapter of my career in blood and gold. I played for, among others, Gerard Houllier, Sam Allardyce twice, Roy Keane and Walter Smith. And uh, that answer was El Hajj Duf, of course. And uh, congratulations to anyone who got within spitting distance of getting the right answer there. Ha! Oh. Thanks. <laughs> Correct answers we did have from Wei Chun Lo, James Wascombe, Thomas DeRoy, Habib Hab, Adam Cyrilnik, Romuald Frenchy Lorca, Kev Sherwood, long-time listener, first-time competitor. We need more of those. And uh, James Cathy. This week's clue, I think this one's pretty tricky as well. I'm from the north, but made my name in the southwest of France within the last 10 years. I played on both sides of the Garonne Derby divide, split by a spell in England. I moved to Spain, where things got very messy indeed. Get your answers into us at Podcast at gmail.com. Got to be Sheikh Diabati. Uh, it's Sheikh Diabati every week in your world, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly <laughs> is. <laughs> Monaco are third in the table, a point back from Paris Saint-Germain. They played against bottom club Dijon, who set uh, a new unwanted record, equaling CA Paris' record from 1933-34 of 12 league defeats in a row. They could be relegated next week, but let's focus on Monaco. Robbie Thompson commentated this one on Sunday afternoon. With some Benyera. Saved by Lagbeer. The follow up. And Stefan Jovetic has scored to give Monaco the lead after Wissam Benyera's penalty was initially saved by Satchanel Lagbeer. And now Benyera has got the second. The last four matches in which he's scored this season, Wissam Benyera, they've all been doubles. Will it be the case again? It is. 3-0 to Monaco and Wissam Ben Yedda 
takes his tally in 2021 to five braces and ten goals. And Monaco will close up that gap at the top, just one point behind Paris Saint-Germain, four points behind leaders Lille with six games left to play. Interesting performance from Monaco. They were without Folland, the German uh, goal scorer, at the last minute, missing out with a sore throat. And I think maybe that just unsettled them a little bit because they haven't been making many changes to their side of late. They've found their, their cruising altitude, if you like. And, and he was replaced by Sofiane Diop, who I'm a big fan of, but was a little disappointing. Um, first half, they, were, they really struggled to get out of second gear, even if they still could have been in front. It was uh, a, a, a disappointing first half performance. You could hear Nico Kovac the whole time on the sidelines. Almost from the first five minutes, he could feel it saying, let's pick it up. Let's play faster. Come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And they really just didn't, didn't really try and push Strasbourg that hard. Changes in the second half. Diop went off. Wissam Benyetta came on. I thought the first penalty call was a little bit soft, but they got it. It was saved by Lagbe. Jovetic justified his, uh, his uh, recent run in the starting 11 with, uh, with the goal there. Um, his sixth of the season. Benyetta then uh, got on the score sheet with a double. A deserved victory in the end. Uh, but without the swagger that I've seen in recent weeks from Monaco, if that was their their poor performance, then they are looking very good and very solid as well. And we've been talking about how they have that game against uh, Lyon coming up in the league. They also have a cup game against them, which could just be an interesting little dynamic there in, in uh, 10 days' time as well at Lyon. So uh, one to look out for. But look, they are strong. They are very strong. And Strasbourg, uh, uh, Dijon rather, Dijon just, uh, look, they're just making up the numbers. It's been a disastrous, disastrous campaign for Dijon. Andy, I want to put the super sub Ben Yedda question to you. Second week running that he came off the bench and scored a double against uh, Dijon. He also managed to, to miss a penalty. He has scored uh, nine penalties amongst his 17 league goals this season. And uh, Kovac afterwards jokingly said... If he carries on like that, I'll keep him on the bench every game. More seriously, he said, it is easier for Ben Yedda in the second half when the oppositions are tired. Would you keep him on the bench? Oh, well, I, I suppose, I mean, obviously Kevin Voland wasn't playing on, on Sunday, so maybe that's that's um, that's that's kind of defeats the argument I'm about to make. But I suppose when you have Voland and Jovetic as well, then you don't have to have Ben Yedda starting every game. Um, fantastic options available to Nico Kovac. Ben Yedda actually had a, a bit of a difficult time from sort of November through to February and uh, he very rarely played 90 minutes. He was often taken off about an hour into games by Nico Kovac. And I think that was actually uh, possibly the after effects of his COVID infection in November when he had to pull out of the France squad. And he hasn't been um, always at his very best this season, but you know, what, what a fantastic player to have available to you. And Wissam Ben Yedder is, is good enough to be the, the leading striker in a team going for the title, which he is. Kevin Volland has, has come in and added something extra. And Stefan Jovetic has shown in the last few weeks that he can be very useful in the starting lineup too. And this is a team that's good enough in attack to be competing for the title. And they've sorted out their defence now as well. I think that's six clean sheets in the last seven. Uh, and and suddenly they're they're really motoring. I think they've got 4-0, 4-0 and 3-0 as well in the last three league games. So it might not always be entirely convincing in games. And Dijon, I mean, I did their game, Dijon's game against Marseille the previous week and they were just a bit feeble. Let's be honest, they're just not good enough. Mm. So maybe we no. shouldn't read too much into this this win for Monaco, but uh, but nonetheless, they keep winning games, they keep going, and they're still they're still in there. And look out, Jimmy Briand, because <laughs> uh, that's ninety eight career goals now for for Wissam Ben Yedda. 
He's not. He's he's closing in even on Kylian Mbappe's one hundred and one. But Jimmy Brion's one hundred is is not going to hold him in second place for very long. I don't think. Twelve wins in fifteen games for Nico Kovac's Monaco in twenty twenty one. It's startling form, and uh, he did state the obvious where he said it's we've got three goal scorers and that makes life easier. Jovetic looks as physically sharp as at any point since he joined in mm-hmm. twenty seventeen from Inter Milan that uh, we wouldn't have seen the speed of that reaction to get onto the rebound after like they made the save from Ben Yedder's penalty. I think even three months ago from him, he ended up clattering into the advertising board and fortunately didn't get injured. But uh, no, I've, I've been really impressed with the way Jovetic has come back into it. Fabregas went off injured late on. That's a bit of a pity because he was starting to show some of his old form as well. We've got to crack on because Robbie's got very important matters to attend to at Paris Saint-Germain's training ground. So before we discuss Lyon's performance against Angers, let's hear from their currently injured Zimbabwean forward Tino Kadaweri had some very interesting things to say about his captain Memphis Depay and about former Lyon hero Karim Benzema. Memphis is a monster on the pitch. He's, he can do anything with the ball. So you 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 got to be ready for... you got to anticipate all the time because he's one player that is unpredictable. He can do a lot of things with the ball. I would love to to see him here. He's a legend and everyone loves him so much here and it'll be good to play with him here and uh, make some history together. Well, without Cadoueri on Sunday evening, Lyon, the last of the four title contenders to play, were up against Angers. Angus Tarode commentated this. Here's Dupai. Looking into the middle, and a chance to the side. It's Paqueta off the post, and in by Depay. Tokwikumbi pops up on the left-hand side now, goes past one man, trying to find the ball in. Surely it's going to be two. Paqueta scores. Thiago Mendes, nice little ball inside to Paqueta. Paqueta feeds it through, and surely this is number three. Memphis Depay with his second of the game. That was beautiful. Well, Leon really needed that victory. No wins in their previous three, only two wins in their previous seven. They needed penalties to scrape past Red Star of the third tier in the Coupe de France on Thursday evening. Memphis Depay with that double, his first goals since February. And he was playing on the left-hand side with uh, Islam Slimani at centre-forward. Maxence Kakare was in for Thiago Mendes and showed something of his Champions League form from last summer. Um, an impressive and much-needed win for Leon, gentlemen. Yeah, a real shot in the arm for Leon, who have been stumbling of late. They lost that third place to to Monaco. Um, they needed this. They they stumbled through the Coupe de France as well. I always feel, um, and I've said it umpteen million times. People are sick of hearing it, but Rudy Garcia is likes to get his teams up for the big games. I think we've seen it this season. They're they're ready to fight for the big games, and perhaps the the smaller games are, are not so easy for them. Uh, important that Memphis Depay is getting back. One thing I was going to say about Monaco and, and Jovetic and those guys is the way they're really buying into the Monaco project. I haven't got that same assurance. If anything, I think Leon's team spirit seems stronger uh, heading in towards Christmas than it, than it does now. I get the feeling they're just wavering. Perhaps that's what's reflected in their results. But Depay getting back amongst, uh, amongst the goals is crucial for them in these final weeks of the season. Yeah, and I think that obviously the 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 win last night was um, 
even though the the final scoreline was convincing, I don't think the performance was necessarily all that convincing. I mean, they they, they were maybe lucky to to be ahead at halftime. Actually, Angers had a lot of chances in the first half of that game. Uh, I think it's only three wins in eight, even with the win last night, and and they, they're actually lucky that the other three teams have not pulled further away from them in the last sort of two months because their form has been patchy. But luckily for them, the teams around them have dropped points too. So uh, they're, they're still hanging in there. But I think you know, I think even Leon fans would probably admit that the title is going to be very hard for them now, and it's all about getting that top three place, which they they really need that top three place. They obviously weren't in Absolutely. Europe at all this season, but there is a danger a very real danger that they will not finish in that top three. So uh, that will not be good enough for Lyon. Big changes coming in the summer. Um, I think we expect Rudy Garcia to leave, don't we? But but if, if he is to leave, he, he, he needs to leave the team in the best possible shape. And there's going to be changes to the playing staff. Obviously, we expect the Memphis Depay will move on to and others. Uh, so this is a chance for this current team to sign off on a high, but they've got a lot of work to do yet. We said that a few months ago, didn't we? That this was that that it was a clever piece of business, not selling Depay, not trying to get any money, and just using him to ensure that they were in Champions League football. And now, all of a sudden, on a, on a business plan level, it's it's looking in danger. All that that idea of keeping on to those players to get back into the Champions League before changing the playing roster for next year. Yeah, Leon sixty four points, Monaco sixty five, PSG sixty six, Lille on sixty nine, bubbling. Just under that is an intriguing battle for fifth place. Lens managed to beat Lorient 4-1, even though they were missing five players to coronavirus. Arguably the most exciting game of the weekend was between Montpellier and Marseille, a three-all draw, while Martin Terrier scored a wonder goal to win the derby for Rennes against Nantes. Lens fifth on 52, Marseille next in line on 49, Rennes 48, Montpellier 46. I'll just briefly mention Wabi Kazri's hat-trick uh, against mm-hmm. Bordeaux for Saint-Étienne, easing their relegation fears. They're nine points clear of the bottom three. Robbie is itching to get out of his seat. He's got stuff to do. So let's move on to our final everything, segment. Everything is set here for training now. The, the, the staff have been out putting out the, the bibs and the, the balls and the mini goals and the, the cones and the dummies. Everything is ready. I am starting to get excited. And we're still, you know, 36 hours from kickoff. I'll try and keep a lid on that. Um, maybe not too many coffees today, Robbie. Exactly, but yeah. Before you go and before we go, let's uh, move on to Bon Voyage, looking ahead to the next round of league action. So coming up in round 33, leaders Lille at home to Montpellier, 9 o'clock French time. That's at 8 o'clock in Britain on BT Sport on the Friday evening, Marseille at home to Lorient Saturday afternoon. PSG at home to Saint-Étienne. That's a Sunday lunchtime kickoff, one o'clock in France, midday in Britain. Lyon are at Nantes in the Sunday evening game. Well, gentlemen, where are you going to be heading off to this week? Yeah, well, too, too many possibilities, uh, Dave. I just don't know where to start. Maybe Bordeaux, Bordeaux-Monaco on Sunday afternoon. Um, hopefully the weather will be good. And, and Bordeaux have lost nine of their last 11, I think. So you would expect that one to go Monaco's way. Uh, it should be a good game. Two great clubs, of course, historically in, 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 in France. And uh, a match that obviously is very significant in the title race as well. So why not that one? I'll be in Lille on Friday night for their game against Montpellier. I, I, I like Montpellier as a side and and it will be very interesting to see if they can show the kind of spirit they did against Marseille, uh, which was something of a southern derby. There's great history between those two sides. I'm not sure how they will feel about the trip north to, 
to Lille, but Montpellier are a, are, a, are a side that like a fight, and I'm sure they'll get one with Lille. And then at the Parc des Princes on Sunday afternoon, Paris versus Saint-Étienne, it's, uh, there'll be pressure on. If Lille, uh, and the other, if Lille get that result, it means that Paris Saint-Germain have no choice. So, and it will also depend on what happens tomorrow night, of course, against Bayern. Maybe on Friday night you could try to get your hands on Andy Delors' shirt, uh, Robbie. Ah, yes, okay. On Sunday, I'll, I'll I reckon... sing him the song. Yeah, do. I, I bet <laughs> Which he's never one? heard it. Which before. one? Andy, Andy Jatem, was that it? <laughs> uh, are, are, you, are you talking to me, Robbie? Uh, <laughs> no, I was trying to think of the song and, title. Andy Dimwawi, that's the song. Okay, oh, close. Yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go to Nantes against Lyon, and uh, on my train west, I'll listen to the full Tino Cadwiri interview, which we'll be putting up as a standalone podcast later in the week. The pressure will be on Lyon again as the last of the four title challenges to play once more this uh, upcoming weekend. It is a breathless season. We've got Bayern Munich at Paris Saint-Germain to watch on Tuesday evening. Then the four title contenders go again at the weekend before the Coupe de France. We do hope you've enjoyed this edition of Le Beaujeu with Robbie Thompson, Andy Scott and myself, David Cross. And Matt Spiro, fingers crossed, will be back next week. So see you then. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Benyera, beautifully done, sensational.